Well, Dr. Blazing, I think, painted the picture precisely as it is in, uh, in describing my relationship with Dr. Patterson. Uh, but he was also accurate, too, in, uh, in talking about you students. As you began uh, the semester, you were just couldn't wait until this week came. Now, for most of you, you wish you had more time. It seems like that's always the way it is. We, we want to hurry up and finish, and then yet when it's there, it's crunch time, we're not quite ready because we, we still have papers and studying and other things that we have to do. And I'm grateful that you have chosen to come and be at, at chapel today just to take some time and to be spiritually renewed and refreshed as you continue your studies. I'd like to uh, preach this morning on, uh, uh, out of the book of Isaiah uh, about Hezekiah and experiences that he had in his life. So I invite you to take your copy of God's Word and open it to Isaiah chapter 38. We're going to be looking at verses 9 through 20. Here Isaiah is writing and, and he's uh, going back over certain, certain circumstances of his life and talking about them here. And uh, in Isaiah chapter 38, beginning with verse 9, here's, here's what he writes. This is the writing of Hezekiah, king of Judah, when he had been sick and had recovered from his sickness. I said, in the prime of my life, I shall go to the gates of Sheol. I am deprived of the remainder of my years. I said, I shall not see y'all, the Lord in the land of the living. I shall observe man no more among the inhabitants of the world. My lifespan is gone, taken from me like a shepherd's tent. I have cut off my life like a weaver. He cuts me off from the loom. From day until night you make an end of me. I have considered until morning, like a lion, so he breaks all my bones. From day until night you make an end of me. Like a crane or a swallow, so I chattered. I mourned like a dove. My eyes fell from looking upward. O Lord, I am oppressed. Undertake for me. What shall I say? He has spoken he has both spoken to me, and he himself has done it. I shall walk carefully all my years in the bitterness of my soul. O Lord, by these men, by these things men live, and in all these things is the life of my spirit. So you will restore me and make me live. Indeed, it was for my own peace that I had great bitterness. But you have lovingly delivered my soul from the pit of corruption... For you have cast all my sins behind your back. For Sheol cannot thank you. Death cannot praise you. Those who go down to the pit cannot hope for your truth. The living, the living man, he shall praise you as I do this day. The Father shall make known your truth to the children. The Lord was ready to save me, therefore... We will sing my songs with stringed instruments all the days of our life in the house of the Lord. <clears throat> you know, during this uh, Christmas time, 
certain movies have become classics because they resonate with their audiences. And one of those movies is entitled, It's a Wonderful Life. Most all of you probably have seen it. And you know the plot to that story. Here is George Bailey who takes life for granted and then through a series of brokenness and pain, he despairs of life even to the point of suicide. And then divine intervention takes place in the character of an angel named Clarence. And in that, that divine intervention through this angel named Clarence causes George Bailey to re-examine his life and the end of it was he had a new outlook upon life. It all was birthed out of his pain and brokenness. C.S. Lewis writes in his book, The Problem of Pain. He says, we can rest contentedly in our sins and in our stupidities. Everyone who has watched gluttons shoveling down the most exquisite foods as if they did not know what they were eating will admit that we can ignore even pleasure. But pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our consciences, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. The truth of the matter is, pain can be a most effective teacher. However, Sadly, firm resolutions made during the height of pain can quickly disappear with healing. In fact, one hospital chaplain quipped that every surgery patient wants to become a Christian on the day after their operation. He says that when the drugs begin to wear off, pain is so great that the patient is convinced that he or she is doomed to die. But then after a few days, the desire to live replaces the desire to die and the deathbed vow is soon forsaken. Those of you who have experienced surgery can probably relate to those sentiments. Hezekiah, though, when we look at the text and we know the history of what the Bible records about his life, Hezekiah was on his deathbed. And he went through great physical suffering. He went through all of the emotional bitterness that he was going to die. And he cried out to the Lord. And in the midst of all of that, God in his mercy heals Hezekiah. And then, then to express his gratitude to God... Hezekiah now is writing this song that we just read describing his feelings and teaches us about life and death. Hezekiah's pain, his sickness, and his healing changed his life. And so I want us this morning to see at least five areas that changed in his life. The first thing that changed in Hezekiah's life is he, his, was his perspective on life. 
In verse 15 he says, How, What shall I say? He has both spoken to me and he himself has done it. I shall walk carefully all my years in the bitterness of my soul. Hezekiah's experience taught him to view life from the perspective of pain as well as from prosperity. Now here it's easy for us to view life from prosperity and pleasure. But there is a shallowness with that view and a deception to think that it's always going to be just like it is now. The king's sickness with, and brush with death gave him a deeper perspective on life, causing him to weigh his actions in the context of his own mortality and accountability to God. He will now value each day and see life as a gift. Those of you who have experienced sickness and pain or loss in this way know firsthand exactly what Hezekiah is saying. And with that pain and with that brokenness comes a new perspective on life. And with that pain comes compassion for others that was not there before. Hezekiah had been broken by God. And the reality is that God uses broken things before anyone is ever really used in his or her most effective way by God must first be broken. God uses broken things, and it's something that we want to run away from. It's something that we want to rebel of. But God uses broken things. It takes broken soil to produce a crop. Broken clouds to produce rain. Broken grain to give bread. Broken bread to give strength. In the scriptures, it was the broken alabaster box that gives forth perfume. It was the broken Peter, weeping bitterly, who returns to greater power than ever. And here is Hezekiah, who has had broken health, and out of that sickness and out of that pain and out of that brokenness, Hezekiah had a new perspective on life. So the first area was a new perspective on life. But the second area is he had new power for life. Notice in verse 16, O Lord, by these things men live, and in all these things is the life of my spirit. So you will restore me and make me live. Now understand this, it is easy for all of us to take life for granted, especially those who are healthy and prosper, uh, prosperous. In fact, this is the deception for the young. This is the, the deception for those who are young and healthy, thinking that you'll never die. Thinking that you've always are strong. Now, now let, let me put this in context. 
Hezekiah, when this sickness came to him and he was at the point of death, he was not an old man. Hezekiah was 39 years old when he got sick. And before his sickness, I can imagine that he may have thought that he had the world by the tail. I mean, think about it. He was king. He was young. He was strong. He was king. And so no pleasure was ever denied him. He could buy whatever he wanted to. He could do whatever he pleased. He had the strength and the vitality and the money to do that. And so he thought it's always going to be like this. Let me tell you, that's a deception. Let me tell you, students, most of you are young. It's not always going to be like that. You're going to get a little older. You're going to get a little broken. You're going to have some pain. And you're going to realize that this can be a deception to look at life only through the lens of prosperity. Here, Hezekiah, this totally changed him and made him more effective for God. Hezekiah quickly learned through his pain, through his brokenness, through his sickness, that his life was not his own. And now more resolute, more intent than ever, Hezekiah realized that he knows that now he is totally dependent upon God for his next breath. I mean, we take even our breathing for granted until we are struggling to breathe. If you've ever played athletics or been in something and had a hit and had your breath knocked out of you and you are gasping and struggling for breath and the immediate panic that sits in, it'll terrify you. You see, we just take so many things for granted. And that was the way Hezekiah was until this brokenness, until this sickness and pain. And now, more than ever, he knows that he's dependent for God. And he realized, even as king, even in the prime of his life, even with all the power that he had, Hezekiah realized that he could not add one day to his life. That his life was in the Lord's hands. Now, I know we know that, and we know that intellectually, but have we really come to grips with that experientially? It makes a difference in ministry, and it makes a difference in effectiveness in your life. When you realize that you, even in your youth and strength and vitality and health, that you actually are living on borrowed time. I mean, listen to what the Bible tells us. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 13. It tells us this. That the, the scriptures tell us how that, that in that God gives life to all. And then he tells us in James 4 and 14, what is your life? It is but just a vapor. It's here and gone. <sighs> just like Dr. Blazing said, you started this semester and you just couldn't wait until this time comes and you stop and look back over it and you realize, man, that semester went like this. 
That's our lives. In fact, Hebrews 9, 27, it's appointed a man wants to die, and after that, the judgment. You see, his power, even as king, he could not add one day to his life. And I know we're young and, and, and healthy and think we're going to live forever. We don't. My second year of seminary, one of my friends who was in the graduate uh, program, the, the Ph.D. program, all of a sudden, out of the clear blue, was sick, started throwing up, went to the hospital, and guess what? He had brain cancer, and he died just a few months later. The next year, I graduate with my master's degree, and right after I graduate, about a month later, one of my friends that was there was killed in a private plane crash. Who would have ever thought it? We've probably all known that, and yet we think here they're going to live forever. And what Hezekiah is saying here is we should always live our lives in the context of our mortality. Because when we do, we'll be more effective and more laser-like focused in what we're to do instead of wasting away things. So here we see that that he had a new perspective on life, but he had a new power for life. But then another area, he had new peace in life after all of this. Notice in verse 17 what Hezekiah talks about. He says, indeed, it was for my own peace that I had great bitterness. But you have lovingly delivered my soul from the pit of corruption. You have cast all my sins behind your back. Now Hezekiah realizes that the bitter experience of his sickness and facing death actually had a greater goal in his life of bringing the peace of God in a deeper measure in his own life. And he realizes that this bitterness was actually for a greater benefit in his life. That's a, that is a, a different way for us to view pain, to view brokenness, because we don't see how it's going to benefit us. <clears throat> you remember as a child growing up in the home, <clears throat> some of you who are parents and maybe have older children, and when you were disobedient and you were getting ready to be disciplined by your parent, did your parent ever say to you, well, I'm doing this for your own good? You ever, did that ever happen to you? I think for most of us, our parents said, before they disciplined us, now you got to understand I'm doing this for your own good. And you're scratching your head saying, no, you're not. And then sometimes uh, our parents, I've done this to my own son, and it's happened to me too, when they'd say, now, you need to understand, this is going to hurt me worse than it hurts you. Yeah. And you're about ready to be on the receiving of discipline, and you're thinking, you're not telling me the truth. You're lying to me, because it's going to hurt me a whole lot worse than it hurts you. But the reality is, that is loving discipline, and it actually is helping you more than you realize. This is why the Bible tells us in Hebrews, those whom God loves, what does he do? He chastens. He disciplines. You see, here, pain does have benefits. 
And Hezekiah saw the love of God in the midst of his sickness. And out of that love, God, out of that love of God, he learned the meaning of forgiveness through his bitter experience. Things that we can never experience without that. And so here, there was a new uh, peace in life. But then Hezekiah also saw a new purpose in life. Notice in verse 18. He says, For Sheol cannot thank you. Death cannot praise you. Those who go down to the pit cannot hope for your truth. The living, the living man, he shall praise you as I do this day. The father shall make known your truth to the children. Hezekiah sees life now. He sees his life now as a time to serve the Lord. And he realized, you know what? Death ends that opportunity for us to serve the Lord here. He's basically coming to a really brilliant truth. You can't serve God on earth when you're dead. You've got to serve God in the strength of your life while you're alive. And if you don't serve God now in this life, you have wasted all of your opportunities to do that. That's the reason why Paul said, for me to live is Christ. And so here for us, the life, the strength, the health that God gives us is for us to serve him because when we are dead, we can't serve him here any longer. And so we need to take advantage of those opportunities that God gives us. He's realizing now, God has given me new health. God has given me a purpose. He's given me strength. And now I don't need to be one that frets away time. I don't need to be one that, that wastes my opportunities. I need to seize the day and be faithful to him. So there was a new purpose in life. There's one last thing here we see he has now a new praise in life and in that in verse 20 he concludes his song by saying this the Lord was ready to save me therefore we will sing my songs with stringed instruments all the days of our life in the house of the Lord in Hezekiah's reign he brought back musical instruments and joyful song to worship in the temple. If you would turn back in your Bibles to 2 Chronicles chapter 29. Because you see, Hezekiah was a good king. And he restored temple worship. And look at it here beginning with verse 18. Said, then they went in to King Hezekiah and said, We've cleansed all, cleansed all the house of the Lord, the altar of burnt offerings with all its articles, and the table of the showbread with all its articles. Moreover, all the articles which King Ahaz in his reign had cast aside in his transgression, we have prepared and sanctified. And there they are before the altar of the Lord. Then King Hezekiah rose early gathered the rulers of the city and went up to the house of the Lord and they brought seven bulls, seven rams, seven lambs and seven male goats for a sin offering for the kingdom, for the sanctuary and for Judah. Then he commanded 
the priests, the sons of Aaron, to offer them on the altar of the Lord. So they killed the bulls, and the priests received the blood and sprinkled it on the altar. Likewise, they killed the rams and sprinkled the blood on the altar. They also killed the lambs and sprinkled the blood on the altar. Then they brought out the male goats for the sin offering before the king and the assembly, and they laid their hands on them. And the priests killed them, and they presented their blood on the altar as a sin offering to make an atonement for all Israel. For the king commanded that the burnt offering and the sin offering be made for all Israel. And he stationed the Levites in the house of the Lord with cymbals, with stringed instruments, and with harps, according to the commandment of David, of, of Gad the king's seer, and Nathan the prophet. For thus was the commandment of the Lord by his prophets. The Levites stood with the instruments of David and the priests with the trumpets. Then Hezekiah commanded them to offer the burnt offering on the altar. And when the burnt offering began, the song of the Lord also began with the trumpets and with the instruments of David, king of Israel. So they all the assembly worshipped. The singers sang and the trumpeters sounded. All this continued until the burnt offering was finished. And when they had finished offering the king and all who were present with him bowed and worshipped. Moreover, King Hezekiah and the leaders commanded the Levites to sing praise to the Lord with the words of David and of Asaph the seer. So they sang praises with gladness and they bowed their heads and worshipped. Up until this time, there had been no worship there. The evil King Ahaz before had, because of his transgression, it all stopped. But now, because God had done a work in Hezekiah and through his brokenness, through his sickness, he began, he saw everything differently. And as a result of that, as he's writing here in this testimony, he is saying now that he has new praise in life. He has brought back musical instruments. And now the people are going to sing songs. And they're even going to sing the songs that the king has written himself. Notice in the text here in Isaiah, he says that he's going to sing my songs. My songs. Here. Those were the songs that Hezekiah sang. You see, when God does a work in your life, that life is to praise him. And out of that work, there is a song in your heart. There's a joy in your soul. And most of the music and poems and hymns and songs come out of that experience. In fact, I find it interesting. One of the hymns uh, that not sung much today, but one of the, the hymns entitled Marching to Zion, there's a verse in that hymn that says this, Let those refuse to sing who never knew our God. You see, if you don't know God, if you don't have a relationship with him, there's not going to be that song, song welling up in your heart. But it comes out of, out of an experience with God. It comes out of pain and brokenness. And when it does, we realize that my life is not my own, that God has renewed me, God has given me, and I need to be, take advantage of my time here to be effective for the Lord. And there is a song in our hearts. And so here, God puts a song in our life and a spring in our step, just like we saw 
in Hezekiah. Beforehand, he was rejoicing in his life out of prosperity and all of this. And then, boom, it changed. And his outlook changed. And now, he embraced the pain. Now, he embraced the brokenness. And saw that that was actually a blessing of God. You know, a little five-year-old girl had been attending the church kindergarten. <clears throat> and each day before the children were dismissed, the teacher had them sing the doxology. And so here in this, which the little girl, she loved to sing the doxology, but her words got mixed up just like a lot of the kids do in their singing. And she said, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him all creatures. Here we go. That's what God wants from us. Out of our relationship with him, out of our sin and brokenness, God wants us to praise him and to utilize to the most effective way our time for him. We don't have the opportunity to waste our lives, waste our time. Serve him now in the strength of your use, youth and embrace the pain and the brokenness that ultimately is going to come in your life that God can use you in a deeper way. Let's pray together. Thank you, our Father, for telling us how we should live by giving us this example of Hezekiah, out of his own sickness and pain and brokenness. Lord, we thank you for your love that never lets us go. We thank you, O oh God, for your provision of our every need. Help us to keep our eyes upon you and to make use of the time talents that you have given to us. May we live our lives in the context of our own mortality, realizing that we cannot add a day to our life, that our lives are in the hollow of your hand. And so may we honor you with every day and use us for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.